0: welcome to another edition of northwestern outdoors radio the award-winning show covering fishing hunting conservation destinations and other outdoors recreation across the greater northwest northwestern outdoors is brought to you by maxler sportsman's warehouse cena cc food Wallawa county chamber of commerce and the northern pike minnow sport reward fishery program and now let's see what's happening this week with your host john cruz
1: Welcome to the show. I've got to tell you, I enjoyed a wonderful week on Whitby Island at the end of August and we put together a show while we were at it too. I was staying at Fort Casey State Park, something I do every odd year because odd years are when the pink salmon run and that's when you can fish for them right off the beach by Fort Casey State Park. I was camping there with my old junior high school classmate, Sarah, and her best friend, Beth. We had a wonderful time together, though I have to admit I made a lot of promises to those two about things that we were going to do that didn't quite shake out as planned. For example, the fishing was a little rough the first couple days because we had that super moon and that caused some really strong tides. I was also supposed to take them on a guided boat ride that got postponed for a day because of a thunderstorm that lasted some 18 hours in the area. And we were going to try out a restaurant called Callum's on Tuesday, only to find out that Callum's actually is closed on Tuesday. So, Beth, Sarah, sorry about that, but I'm so glad you came. I love spending time with you and camping, and Sarah, you've got a wonderful RV. As I mentioned, this week on the show, we are going to talk about all sorts of fun things that did happen, albeit maybe a little delayed. One of those was the fishing. I can tell you I really had a great afternoon of pink salmon fishing at Driftwood Beach. Got a couple of stout keepers. One pink salmon was pushing six pounds, the other one over four. And those tasted awfully good this weekend when I had friends over at the house. And while the fishing wasn't great for Sarah and Beth, the crabbing sure was. As a matter of fact, we pulled in five keeper crab in a day of crabbing, four of them red rock crab, one of them a Dungeness, and we had a fantastic Crab boil. A meal I'm not gonna forget for quite some time. And I did end up doing some interviews, as I alluded to. One of them that you're gonna hear from in just a minute was with Park Ranger Andrew Southern. He's gonna tell you all about Fort Casey State Park and just to the north of it, another coastal fortification that's become a state park. That would be Fort Eby. If you were into hiking or biking or history or taking in wonderful views, you're gonna love these parks on the east side of Woodby Island. After we talk to Andrew, we're going to check in with Bob Loomis for an extended Max Minute, and then we are going to go to Callan's Restaurant. It's located right next to the Keystone slash Coopville Ferry Terminal. used to be called the Riptide Restaurant, but it's changed ownership. The new owners are Michael and Emily. They've got a huge emphasis on seafood. They've completely remodeled the restaurant, and I have got to tell you, it is definitely worth going to. Whether you're catching the ferry or not, this place is fantastic, and I I literally enjoyed the best omelette of my life, a Dungeness Crab Omelette. It was simply delicious. Our final interview of the day, well, that would be with Brett Ginther and Don Glavic. They are with Deception Pass Tours, although... Our trip was delayed by one day. It was worth it. And we got to see a ton of wildlife during the hour I had on board the Island Whalers. And they offer longer trips, too, that we will tell you about towards the end of the show. In addition to this, we've got a new state record fish to tell you about. And this is a very rare fish indeed for the waters up here in the Pacific Northwest. Throw in your Sportsman's Warehouse trivia question of the week, and we have got a wonderful destination show coming your way. So settle in, and let's start things off the way we always do with another edition of Sportsman Spotlight with David Sparks.
2: A quick, convenient way for fishermen to cut fishing line. David Sparks with Sportsman Spotlight. Texas angler Vance Zahorski had it up to here with rusty, ratty, inefficient line cutting tools. After 35 years of cutting line with his teeth or fumbling for scissors or knives, Vance was ready for a better way. His solution, something he calls line cutters with a Z on the end, A sleek, fully adjustable ring featuring an integrated double-sided blade, which is perfect for quick and efficient cutting of monofilament and braided fishing line.
3: I was at my buddy's wedding in Florida, and I was surf fishing for sharks, and I kept having to run up to my tackle box to get a knife. And about the fourth time, and it was one of those moments where I'm like, this is ridiculous. There's just got to be a better way to cut fishing line. So I had a nine hour drive back from Florida. On my whole way back, I'm like, you know, where could I put a blade? And I was thinking not around the neck or here or there. And I just thought the fingers the only logical place. So I went to Home Depot and got the welding putty and had a dental floss cutter at home. It took a little metal piece off and made a ring and it hardened and started using it. My buddies were like, that is insane and I want one. And it just kind of took off from there.
2: Go to the website, linecutters.com. That's C-U-T-T-E-R-Z.
3: Being a farmer takes hard work. Growing wheat is no exception. At Wilbur Ellis, we know that the most successful farms are rooted in the right partnerships and the right solutions, like EFICAX soil retention adjuvant. Efficax helps you control late season and winter weeds by enhancing the effectiveness of your herbicide. It works by improving spray material coverage, adhesion and residual activity, making your herbicide investment more efficient than ever. But growing a bumper crop of wheat isn't the only advantage of working with Wilbur Ellis. When you partner with us, you get access to a team of industry-leading experts and the real-time answers you need to boost your yield. And your bottom line, that's the power of WE. You work hard. Let us help your hard work go further with EFICAX. Contact your local Wilbur Ellis representative today to see what the power of WE can do for you.
1: back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We are broadcasting from Fort Casey State Park on Whidbey Island. Truly one of my favorite places because it combines history and camping and all sorts of outdoors recreation. With us here to tell you more about not just Fort Casey but nearby Fort Eby as well as Andrew Southerd. He is a park ranger here. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. Fort Casey. This is one of three forts that was built in the late 1800s, 1890s, actually, to include Fort Warden near Port Townsend, Fort Flagler, and Fort Casey here. Basically, the first line of defense, a triangle of death, it was originally called, a triangle of fire that no ship was supposed to pass through to get to Seattle or the shipyards at Bremerton. Is that about right? Yeah, you got it spot on. How long were soldiers actually stationed here at Fort Casey? Just a couple decades,
4: actually active duty here, and then it was transitioned into a training facility around the Second World War and then decommissioned shortly after the Second World War. So there wasn't really a lot of action going on here, obviously, but there were some detachments here that were training regularly, recreating regularly, and housed here as well. Well,
1: the fortifications are very intact here not only that you got these two huge cannon 10 inch cannon that around 1900 were state-of-the-art because they they could do something that was really interesting
4: yeah we nicknamed them disappearing guns so from the ocean they wouldn't be visible above ground they're behind a a bluff sort of berm so they're invisible from the the water but when they would be getting ready to fire they would crank them up into position and then as soon as one would fire, the recoil would send it back down into its down position where it's, again, invisible.
1: Very interesting. Now, the two cannon you have here, I understand they're the same type of cannon that was here, but they're not the actual cannon. I understand these actually came from Corregidor in the Philippines for World War II? That's
4: exactly right. Yeah, so these were not used at Fort Casey, but they are the identical make and model to what was used. We also have two 3-inch guns on display that are from the Philippines
1: as well. All right. So you have this history here, but it's not just the military history, which is really interesting to take in looking out over Admiralty Inlet. You also have a lighthouse here too. We do. And that predates the fort. Well, the
4: Red Bluff lighthouse predates the fort. That was up above where the fort was when the fort came in. They moved it and eventually ended up building the current Admiralty Head Lighthouse, which is in phenomenal condition we just had a multi-million dollar renovation project so it's great to come look inside and see the history of it
1: and it is open during the summer months from noon to 4 p.m daily so definitely plan on that if you're out here during the summer and we can't not talk about the camping and the outdoor recreational opportunities i love the campground here i mean it's small but it's just awesome because it's right
4: on the water Right. You are in the middle of everything. So you've got the Port Townsend Ferry right next to you that you can walk on and go see the sights in Port Townsend if you'd like. You've got beach access right at your door. Um, Great views always. Great wildlife right around you. And the fort's just a few steps away as well.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely perfect, folks. And speaking of the wildlife, you've got bald eagles that are in the trees right above the campground. You've got deer that are wandering around, rabbits that are wandering around. It's a really neat place. And if you look out into the ocean, you're going to see sea lions. You're going to see seals. Might even see a harbor porpoise from time to time. Have you seen whales here yet?
4: I have, yeah. And I actually didn't personally get to witness this, but our camp host witnessed some orcas right outside her campsite. So you may see some coming right by your site as well
1: very cool and in terms of outdoor recreation there's obviously trails you can walk the grounds definitely take your fishing pole to the beach because in august you got fishing for coho salmon every year and this being an odd year you got fishing for pink salmon too and it wasn't very good here on the point but just across the ferry terminal at driftwood park Boy, oh boy. It was bananas for
4: pink salmon yesterday. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's been a great year. I've been fishing as well, and I've been getting my limit most days. Every other year, it's great for pink salmon for beginner fishermen, if you've never done it before, as well as, you know, the advanced, It's always fun to catch a salmon.
1: I agree. I mean, I'm the guy that likes catching bluegill still, so you give me some pink salmon, I'm a happy guy. Let's head a little bit north to Fort Eby. Different history with this one. This was actually the last coastal fortification built in Puget Sound. It was built in 1942, right after Pearl Harbor.
4: That's correct, yeah, and it, again, had a pretty short lifespan, just for a few years. What is different up there is there are no guns on display, and there's just one small gun battery, but it's fun to walk around and see. You can still find some remnants of history hiding in the woods along trails, you know, water lines or a water tower, and small observation forts here and there.
1: Speaking of in the woods, that is very much a wooded area. Much bigger campground, but it's all in the woods. It's not open like Fort Casey is, and you've got tons of trails out there. Exactly. It's a hiker
4: and biker paradise. The biking trails are fun. They're fast-paced and you can get either beginner trails if you've got, you know, kids or you're just starting out and getting your feet wet. It's a great place to learn how to mountain bike as well as still have some fun as a more advanced rider.
1: And there's basically three trails or three series of trails you can hike. So number one, there's the Bluff Trail. And that one's kind of cool because it goes right past that battery. But it also gives you a great view of Admiralty Inlet. And I understand that from time to time, paragliders will take off from the bluff.
4: That's right, yeah. So we do have a pretty big open field right by the fort. It's a great place to fly a kite or, like John said, paraglide. They really just launch from kind of the highest point on that field and just ride the drafts around a little bit. There's no good spot down below on the beach to land or anything like that. But it is fun to coast around a little bit and watch those when they come out.
1: I also understand from the signage there
4: that people bring remote control airplanes. Yeah, so you can have a remote control glider, so nothing huge or over the top. You also can't have drones as well, but there are glider folks there. You can, again, just kind of coast them around when the wind
1: drafts are good. Another trail that's right by the beach access takes you to Lake Pondia, pretty little lake, definitely worth a hike and a visit.
4: Right, and you can spend years in Fort Eby and never even know that it exists. It's kind of tucked (laughs) away. It's a very small little, almost pond, but just peaceful, serene, and lots of wildlife around there as well.
1: And then you have the Kettles Trail, and I was talking to one of your interpretive rangers, and she was telling me that the kettles are actually divots, so to speak, from when glaciers covered this area and scoured the land. Now, I'm guessing all these divots now are in the woods,
4: though. Right. And that's one of our biggest questions from people at Fort Eby is, what is a kettle? And it's exactly that. It's it's almost a pothole, a large pothole in the landscape from glaciers. But that creates all sorts of uphill downhill features in your hiking so great for biking again you've got steep uphill and steep downhill and you can just wind your way around to the forest there's so much variation in the forest floor there
1: and any idea how many miles of trails are at fort eb are we just going to leave it at a lot (laughs) (laughs) my last estimate i think was around
4: 35 to 40 Forty-five. I think it's way more than that, though.
1: <laughs> All right. Bottom line is this, folks. Whether you're a history buff or you just enjoy the salt water and the view or whether you just want to go camping and be by the ocean and have a good time hiking and fishing and bicycling and just watching other folks do things outdoors consider fort casey and fort eb state parks at whitby island either one you're going to love them i guarantee you that but make reservations well in advance they are both very popular parks andrew thanks so much for sharing this with us today on northwestern outdoors radio thank you john
3: Come to Oregon's Wallawa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat and enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallawa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallawaCountyChamber.com. That's WallawaCountyChamber.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter, full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. Natural wonders, beaches, and coves. Majestic forests and scenic vistas are waiting for you at the Tillamook Coast. Lace up your hiking boots, grab your camera, and come to Northwest Oregon. Find out more at tillamookcoast.com.
0: Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lur.
1: Back with us after a vacation up at Lake Chelan is Bob Loomis. Bob? How was that vacation? It was fantastic, John. I'm glad you had a good time. But now let's talk about the Snake River near the mouth of the Grand Ronde. That's kind of ground central right now for both a combined salmon and steelhead fishery. Lots of kings got caught there. A lot of folks are side drifting. But you have another suggestion. Tell us more. Well,
3: you know, John, one of our
1: largest selling
3: products, and it's been like this for a long time, especially in eastern Washington, is the uh, Rock Dancer Jig. It's a bucktail that has a number of different colors. It has a black head with glow eyes, and it works absolutely
1: fantastic for drifting, you know, a jig and a float. You know, it's funny you mention that. When I first started steelhead fishing on the Upper Columbia back in the early 1990s, the go-to... Offering that was fished off those docks at Pateras off the mouth of the Metal was the rock dancer below a float and tipped with a coon shrimp. Is that the same sort of thing you're recommending down there? Absolutely, it works absolutely
3: fantastic. I mean, between the colors, the movement that you get out of the bucktail, it works phenomenal for the salmon fisheries up there.
1: And that's something else that's important to note here is that bucktail. Unlike Marabou, it doesn't just stick together. It still has some movement to it. And there's also a scent collar on the Rock Dancer, too.
3: Absolutely. We put that collar on there just so you could turn around and scent it up, and it works very well for keeping that scent on there and dispersing the scent
1: all right well if you are looking to catch some salmon and maybe some steelhead too out of places like the snake river and other rivers here in the northwest consider the rock dancer you'll find it at sporting goods stores all over the northwest and online anytime at MaxLure.com. i'm bob loomis and i fish for walleye
3: sometimes when i'm out on the water i feel like a destroyer captain hunting for targets with my electronics I'm not hunting submarines, though. I'm hunting fish, and when I find that big one on the fish finder, I want to make sure she's going to bite. That's where the Smileblade Slow Death Rig from Max Lure comes in. The Smileblade spins and flashes at ultra-slow speeds, and the one-of-a-kind red hook keeps that bait moving in a way the fish can't resist. It's the Smileblade Slow Death Rig, only from Max Lure. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter, full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. You'll find it all at Sportsman's Warehouse. Better still, the knowledgeable staff can help you with tips to help you bag a trophy or a limit. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. Want to go fishing and make money? You are in luck.
0: This year's Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery kicks off May 1st. Just register at a check station and go fishing for 9-inch or longer northern pike minnow within designated waters of the Columbia or Snake River. Then you bring your fish back and collect a voucher good for a cash reward. The more fish you catch, the more they're worth. Catch a pike minnow with a special tag and you've landed 500 bucks. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. That's pikeminnow.org.
1: Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop on Whidbey Island is Callens. It is a restaurant you'll find right next to the Coopville slash Keystone Ferry that takes you to and from Port Townsend. And if you're here, whether you're taking the ferry or camping at Fort Casey State Park or just anywhere in the area, you've got to stop here. Because if you love seafood, you're going to love Callens. With us here to tell you more about it are the owners, Michael and Emily. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, John. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's start off with the history of this restaurant. I've been here several times before, but it used to be called The Riptide.
5: Yeah, actually, it was called The Riptide. It was a tasty freeze restaurant, and it was across the street where the ferry is. When the state bought the ferry... They condemned the restaurant, but the locals here on Woodby Island didn't want to give it up. So they actually got a team of people together, came down, jacked the restaurant up, set it on cedar logs and rolled it across the street and set it in the location where it is now. If it wasn't for them, there would be no Callens at this point.
1: Well, thank goodness for the locals, because this is a great option if you're camping at Fort Casey State Park, and it's dumping rain like it was yesterday, and you want some hot food. (laughs) So, Emily, why don't you tell me about how you two got into this business?
6: Sure. Well, we were just vacationing like lots of people do here on Whidbey Island. I mean, it's close to the city, yet it's so far away. We were getting away from the kids and enjoying ourselves, and... We just happened to walk across the street when we were waiting for the ferry and saw this beautiful building surrounded by water, view from every table, and it was it was nothing. There was nothing special here. We just couldn't imagine why someone hadn't built something that was just amazing here at such a beautiful location.
1: Well, you've really remodeled it since you've been here. And folks, the, the view is amazing. You've got the ferry that's right across the street you've got a great view of Admiralty Inlet, and right behind you, you've got Crockett Lake. So I mean, you literally have like 360 degree views here. It's just a wonderful place to hang out and have a meal or have a drink or have a cup of coffee. But you've made some real changes here. And the biggest change when I walked through the door was the restaurants literally doubled in size.
5: Yeah, that was always our intention to expand. And we actually took advantage of our downtime for the pandemic when we weren't able to open the building. And yeah, we added a an entire new dining room with an additional 60 seats and a full-service bar. Yeah, it's been great. It's worked out well.
1: So this is more than just the the breakfast and lunch place that it was before. You know, in past years, remember coming here for ice cream, maybe get something for breakfast and a cup of coffee and always the fish and chips, of course. But now... You actually bring in music a couple times a month.
6: We do, yeah. The first and third Wednesdays of every month, we have a local artist that comes from 6 to 8 and just enjoys the dinner music. And we have two different sides of the restaurant, so you can sit on the music side, or if you'd rather have more peace and quiet, you can sit on the side that doesn't have the music. Not only that, you've got outside seating and
1: it's pet-friendly, which is a big thing these days. That's true. Yes, our deck is pet-friendly. Lots of seats out there, too. All right, well, let's get into some of the food because the menu has definitely changed. You've got a really... Good breakfast menu. You've got a great lunch and dinner menu, but there's a lot of seafood incorporated even into breakfast. What are some of the seafood dishes you offer for breakfast, Michael?
5: Well, probably one of our favorites is the uh, fresh Dungeness crab omelet. That's a really popular item. Crab in any form in the Pacific Northwest is always sought after. We just we do a variety of things with smoked salmon, with uh, grilled salmon, oysters and eggs. Seasonally, we rotate razor clams and eggs onto the menu just depends on the time of year and, and what's available and what's fresh and what's local do the customers
1: gravitate towards this this is rather an adventurous menu for a lot of folks who are not used to like crab or oysters for breakfast or do they stick to their traditional stuff
5: well, the tourists have a one-set mind. I mean, you know, <laughs> they're the fish and chippers for sure. But the bulk of our clientele are our residents. They're the local people, and, yeah, they love the variety, and they absolutely come here to get those items from us. And
1: With the locals and folks, you always got to look to the locals if you want the good food. Yeah. What do you think yeah. the most popular breakfast dish is? Well, that's kind of a trick question. <laughs>
5: I've served breakfast in a lot of restaurants, and the most popular item is always bacon and eggs. This is true. This is true. <laughs> and I've never seen that change no matter where I am. But if you want to ask what our most
1: popular omelette is, it is by far the crab omelette. All right. Well, let's talk about the fact that a lot of your food is locally sourced and that includes the bakery that you work with. Tell me about that, Emily.
6: Yeah, Little Red Hen Bakery. They're just right down in historic Coopville, about four miles down the road from us. And they bake amazing bread. Everyone here on the island knows Red Hen Bakery. You got to have it.
1: What are some of the other locally sourced companies you work with? I understand, you know, Coopville, very well known for mussels.
5: Yeah, well, we work closely with uh, Pen Cove Mussels. That's actually been here on the island since, gosh, I think they started in the late 70s. And it's kind of an interesting story on Pencove Cove Mussels, our dining room. You've been there, John, the main fireplace room. Right. That wormwood paneling that's on the wall in that dining room. Believe it or not, that paneling was cut from the very first Pencove Muscle Float. When the float began to sink, Mike Jeffers, who was the original starter of the farm, had the wood kiln dried and he had it uh, milled into those planks and paneled this entire dining room with Pencove mussel float wormwood. So we're directly connected to the mussel farm. (laughs) So what is the mussel dish that you serve? Well, we serve a variety of them. Right now on the menu, we do a fresh herb, lemon, white wine, and butter steamed mussels. These mussels are just amazing. I mean, it has to do with the fresh water flowing into the bay, creates a brackish water environment, and just intensifies the the sweetness of the mussels i mean i've sampled mussels from all over and hands down the mussels that come from pen cove are the sweetest and most delicate that are
1: out there (sighs) the problem folks when i do these interviews is they start getting really really hungry and i'm going to make it worse so michael if somebody comes to the restaurant and says what would you recommend i have what would you tell them well, I usually steer them right to the Alaskan
5: weathervane scallops. They're a very small fishery. It's exclusive. You kind of have to be on a list even to be able to get them. And to me, they're the best scallops out there. Sweet, just like candy from the sea.
1: And what are they paired with?
5: Well, right now we're doing a Alaskan sea scallop pomodoro where we take the sea scallops. We just lightly sear them. I mean, you want to keep them as fresh and, and like all seafood, the more you cook it, the more you're cooking the flavor out of it. So you just want to get them nice and hot. And then we serve them with elephant garlic and fresh basil, fire roasted tomatoes tossed with angel hair pasta. And we kind of stack the uh, scallops on top and do a little balsamic glaze over that with some grana fresh grated grana parm on top and they're just delicious
1: and emily i see you've got several dishes that involve salmon and the fish and chips cod halibut what are they from
6: we get alaskan cod uh, we get it in whole and cut it ourselves and we do a beer batter with our fish and chips a little bit different it is definitely very tender and delicious and number one seller for sure Last question. I know a lot
1: of folks just wander in here from the state park and the ferry. Do you need reservations certain times?
5: Well, we only take reservations for parties of six or more. And generally speaking, even if we're on a wait list, we can get you in in 15 or 20 minutes.
1: So, no. Love that answer. Last but not least, Emily, what's the website so folks can find out more and check out the menu before they get here?
6: com. C-A-L-L-E-N-S. That's
1: kellensrestaurant.com, kellens c a l l e n s restaurant.com. If you're on Woodby Island, anywhere on Woodby Island, you got to make it a point to come here, enjoy the seafood inspired breakfast, lunch and dinner that so they're going to offer you with fantastic views. You're going to absolutely love this place. Michael, Emily, thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thank you so much, John.
6: Thank you, John. It was a pleasure. Now, if you can't
1: make it to Callens on Woodby Island for some delicious seafood, you can always get premium wild-caught Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. And the company that will do that for you is Cena Sea Seafood. Cena Sea is a family-owned company that catches salmon, halibut, lingcod, rockfish, and more out of the cold waters of Alaska. They handle it carefully, package it in meal-sized portions, and again, deliver it right to your door. And if you want shellfish, they just happen to have some of those jumbo spot shrimp, as well as crab cakes. You'll find it all at cnasea.com that's S-E-N-A-S-E-A com, and use the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO for 10% off your entire order. With Northwestern Outdoors Radio, we continue to broadcast from Whitby Island, and we are near Deception Pass. We're about to go on a boat ride with Deception Pass Tours. With us here to tell you more about the trips that they offer is Brett Ginther. He is the longtime captain of the Island Whaler, and Don Glavick, who is a tour guide with Deception Pass Tours. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for coming out. Well, Brett, I should say hi again because we did this interview, I think it was like eight years ago, but we're long overdue to do it again. Love the boat that you take the passengers out on. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about it?
2: The boat is a aluminum catamaran built in Bellingham, and we can take out 33 people at a time. Technocraft design, the uh, jet drives on it, so uh, we can get up to speed if we need to. It's super maneuverable because of the jets, and uh, we can get into close, tight spaces of the area if we need to.
1: Well, speaking of close, tight spaces, I think that applies to Deception Pass. Absolutely beautiful landmark here in Washington State. And most people, when they think of Deception Pass, they think of the big bridge there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that bridge and the history of it, Don?
7: The bridge is the jewel of Deception Pass Park. And she was built back in the uh, early 30s, part of President Roosevelt's New Deal. He put a lot of folks back to work after the Depression. And everyone comes to visit. Over 2 million visitors last year here in the area.
1: I know. This is amazing. And Deception Pass State Park is actually Washington State's most visited state park. And most people associate it with just the little part near the bridge where the campground is. But this is a really massive state park, isn't it?
7: It is. It is. It's over 4,000 acres, 38 miles of trails, and 12 islands make up Deception Pass Park.
1: Brett, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the tour itself that we're about to go on. What's going to happen here? Well, this particular tour that we're
2: going to be doing is a one-hour tour of the Deception Pass area. So a uh, little wildlife, little uh, history, stories about the area. Wildlife dictates tour, so if we're out talking about uh, the history and we see some wildlife, it usually trumps what we're doing at the time. But yeah, we'll go out to uh, Lawson Reef, which is a couple miles offshore here, and then uh, the surrounding area. So
1: everybody is always hoping to see whales, and of course everyone's always hoping to see orca whales, but there's other whales too, and there's other marine mammals that are definitely worth seeing out here.
2: Yeah, marine mammals around here include pinnipeds, such as the sea lions, stellar sea lions, California sea lions, and harbor seals. We also see the harbor porpoises, and then uh, lots of migrating seabirds through here. Right now there's a ton of salmon coming through, so we're seeing salmon jumping everywhere.
1: Lots of people out fishing for salmon as well, so including me. Yeah, and you and me both literally <laughs> yesterday. So, and by the way folks, the pink salmon, they are definitely on the bite right now. So that's a ton of fun. There are other whales, though. You've got minky whales, which is one that kind of flies under the radar. And what else can you see out here, Don?
7: Well, we do whale watches, usually on the weekends. The rest of our- week as these hourly historical and wildlife tours. But we have minkies. We have humpbacks out here that are visiting us from Hawaii and Mexico, feeding up for the summer. Transient orcas, big killer whales, also southern residents in the area. Those are orcas, L pods. And we've got uh, minkies, as you mentioned. And we have maybe a, a stray gray still hanging around, but we usually see those early spring and they hang out to midsummerish, But Yeah, all kinds of different whales out here.
1: And sometimes you
7: have mistaken sightings. The false killer whale. The false killer whale. That's a new one on me. What's the false killer whale? Dolls Porpoise, maybe. Oh, okay. yes. um,
2: the they're, they're black and white, but they're much, much smaller. But you got to admit, sometimes the tourists
1: think they're killer whales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, you could pass it off as one, maybe. Is- yeah, but- <laughs> all right, so you've got all this beautiful scenery. you got this history. And I guess we should talk about the fact that it's not just the hour-long tour, but you have these whale-watching
7: tours. How long are those? Anywhere between three and four hours, depending on how far we have to go. But a lot of people love the Minor Island tours that we give.
1: And I want to talk about that because that one's new to me. So talk about this Minor Island
7: tour. Minor and Smith Island, about a half an hour via boat west of where we are here at Cornet Bay. Right now there's Puffin's. It's part of a 36,000 acre aquatic preserve And people love to go out there People love all the different bird life we can find Eagles, puffins for a short period during the summer Stellars, sometimes an elephant seal Pelicans, I know that sounds not a big deal to folks maybe from Florida But around here we don't get a lot of pelicans out there So it's really a cool place to head out to Also the largest kelp bed forest surrounds that island So it's kind of neat It's a neat place to go It's different, it's about a two hour tour Oh, sounds fantastic. And I guess one other thing we should talk
1: about. These tours are pretty darn affordable, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they're not bad compared to some of the other tours. Forty-two ninety-five for adults and then thirty-nine ninety-five for children and seniors. And then we do group rates as well. We also charter the boat out for various things.
7: Oh,
1: so like yeah. if you had a family reunion yeah. or something like that?
7: School reunions we've seen. We have uh, folks that re-enlist with the Navy. Yeah. Uh, they've come out. Retirement parties. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, at uh, 1 o'clock today, we have a Lopez Island Creamery coming out with their employees to do a, a charter a tour.
1: So it'll be fun to take them out and they can bring us some free ice cream. I was going to hope that they would. <laughs> oh, it sounds fantastic. Anything else people should know about Deception Pass tours?
7: Oh, gosh. I think for folks that don't want to spend an entire day on a boat doing whale watching, we give that, you know, half day so you have other things to do the hourly tour it's jam-packed with information and that's what we hear from most people if you only have a short amount of time taking an hourly tour you're going to learn a lot
1: there you go folks so if you find yourself on Woodby island whether you're camping at deception pass state park or fort eb or fort casey Make it a point to come on up here, hop on a boat, go for a half-day whale-watching tour, head on out to Minor Island for a few hours, or hop on board for just an hour and learn all about Deception Pass and maybe see some marine wildlife, too. Brett, Don, thanks so much. I can't wait to get on board.
2: Yeah, thanks for uh, coming down and doing this. And a couple other things I'd like to mention. Please. Uh, So this is the longest job I've ever had. (laughs)
1: how many years now
2: 18 years and both of our kids have worked on the business here too my wife works in the business don's been here for 11th year yeah her wow. son also worked for us
7: yes, that's how i got started yeah
2: <laughs> and then yeah this is uh be doing this until i retire and i get to uh shrimp crab and fish during the tours also, so we pull the pots when the passengers are on the boat from time to time and show them a, a little bit of fishing out here and crabbing. Yeah.
7: People love it. It's a little show yeah. and tell. Oh, I
1: love it. And you see, folks, adulting. It can really be fun if you pick the right job. <laughs>
7: exactly, yeah. right. exactly right.
1: All right. Well, again, can't wait to get on board. Don, Brett, thanks so much. And thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thank you.
7: Thanks. Thanks for coming down.
1: And now it's time for one of my favorite show segments that we get to share with you from time to time.
7: It's record fish time.
1: One of the most sought after fish for saltwater anglers goes by different names depending on where you're fishing for it. If you're fishing for this fish off the Florida coast in the Atlantic, you call it a dolphin. If you're fishing for it off Hawaii, it's called the mahi mahi. And if you're fishing in Mexico for this fish, it is called the dorado. No matter what you call it, though, it's not often found in the waters off the Pacific Northwest. It's found in much warmer waters, but it does on occasion make. An appearance, and that's what happened on August 25th when Wade Lafontaine from Camano Island was out on a tuna fishing trip on board the charter boat *Tunacious*. Wade Lafontaine is an avid saltwater angler, according to the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. He's been going on trips off the Washington coast for more than 10 years, chasing salmon, lingcod, halibut, and tuna. And while trolling a plastic squid behind a spreader about 42 miles off the coast of southwest Washington on the 25th, he hooked into a mahi-mahi. It was actually a 21-pound fish with a brilliant yellow belly and a bluish-green back. And that fish, when weighed at the docks at Westport, turned out to be the new state record. Believe it or not, these fish are sporadically caught by recreational anglers and commercial fishermen targeting albacore tuna and other pelagic species off the Washington and Oregon coasts, including a handful recorded last year at the ports of Westport, Nilwako, and at least two this summer. Most of the mahi-mahi caught off our coast are smaller in the 6 to 12 pound range, but Wade LaFontaine's fish, which was 48 inches long and 40 inches to the inside fork of the tail, was more reminiscent of large dolphin fish caught in the warmer waters off of Southern California, Mexico, or Hawaii. LaFontaine's Mahi Mahi beat out Washington's previous state record dolphin fish, which was 16.27 pounds, caught by Albert De Silva out of Ilwaco in 2013. Asked about the record catch, Wade said, I'm blessed beyond comprehension. I'll be getting another tattoo of a mahi. Way to go, Wade. That is one fish story indeed. I'm very happy for you, and I know our listeners are too.
7: Congratulations on your new record.
0: Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program, and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure nine inches or longer. The fish are worth six, eight, or ten dollars, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth five hundred bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org.
2: In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going.
7: This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back,
2: why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me.
0: Before we go today, we've got time for one last shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with your host, John Cruz.
1: I'm glad you're back because it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. And if you haven't been to your local Sportsman's Warehouse store lately, you really ought to go. They've been having all sorts of great sales. That Labor Day sale was something else. And with honey season coming into full swing, you definitely need to get on down there and get what you need for the season ahead. There's Sportsman's Warehouse stores located all over the Northwest. But if there's not one near you, you can always shop online anytime. Simply go to Sportsman's it's not just hunting season that is upon us, it's also football season. And your trivia question of the week is about the Seattle Seahawks. Exactly what bird is the Seahawk? Here's your choices. Is it the bald eagle? Is it the osprey? Or is it the peregrine falcon? If you think you know the answer, well, we're doing things a little differently. We're not taking answers on our Facebook page anymore because that continues to get hacked and Facebook can't seem to resolve that issue with the hackers trying to get credit card in From our listeners. So, what we tried to do last week was have you enter through our website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and wouldn't you know it, Verizon decided to have some issues with all of the websites that they run through there, so you couldn't send emails through the website. So, here's what we're doing this week. If you know the answer as to which one of these birds, the bald eagle, The osprey or the peregrine falcon is the Seattle Seahawk. Go ahead and shoot me an email at john at northwesternoutdoors.com. That email address again, john at northwesternoutdoors.com. One lucky person who guesses right wins the $25 gift card we give away every week from America's premier outfitter. And on that note, it is time to go. So until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors.